Tens of thousands and thousands and tens of thousands. How many have gone between those lions? Tens of thousands of people. And what's amazing to me is they, every single person has walked by them without fear, unscathed, unhurt, calmly, no panic. Of course not, they're not real. They're just sculptures. They can't hurt you. Neither can the real ones. Neither can the real ones, spiritually speaking. God is in control of the lions of this world and the lion that prowls about. He is under his authority, God's authority, and he can do nothing. There should be no fear you, for you, child of God. No matter what you face in this life, no matter what the enemy throws at you, we're going to continue our journey tonight in Pilgrim's Progress, this incredible allegory of the Christian life. And last time we looked, Christian had made himself, made, up, um, made his way up the hill of difficulty, okay? And he was halfway up the hill, and what did he decide to do? Anybody remember? Take a nap. And he slept, and he kept sleeping. And he bemoaned himself because then he finally got to the top of the hill and then he realized he had forgotten his scroll. And the scroll is symbolic of his faith and all things in his faith and the assurance of his faith. And then he had to retrace his steps and then he gets back up to the top of the hill really late and he's been foolish and he's been lazy as a Christian is what he teaches us. But he finally makes it to the top of the hill and then we read this section in Pilgrim's Progress. He espied two lions in the way. Now thought he, I see the dangers that mistrust and timorous were driven back by. Those are those two guys, mistrust and timorous. The lions were chained, but he saw not the chains. Then he was afraid and thought also to himself to go back after them. For he thought nothing but death was before him. So he wants to retreat. He doesn't want to go forward in his Christian life. You ever be, are you ever like that? You ever just feel like, I want to go retreat. I'm tired of the trials in this life. I'm tired of the problems in this life. I don't want to go forward anymore, God. I want to go backward. That's where Christian is. Now, what's interesting is there's a porter at the lodge whose name is Watchful. And he's perceiving that Christian made a halt as if he would go back. And he's crying unto him saying, is thy strength so small? Fear not the lions, for they are chained and are placed there for trial of faith where it is. And for discovery of those who have none, that is none faith, no faith. Keep in the midst of the path and no hurt shall come unto thee. Then I saw that he, that is Christian, went on trembling for fear of the lions, but taking good heed to the directions of the porter. He heard them roar, but they did not harm him. Then he clapped his hands and went on till he came and stood before the gate where the porter was. I've titled this message tonight, Lessons from Lions. The first one is this, you stay on the straight and narrow, Christian. You stay on the straight and narrow. It's a continuing theme in the book Pilgrim's Progress. It, it, we see it all over the place. He enters the narrow way, the narrow gate, right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. You know, don't go the wide way, go the narrow way, the way that leads to life. And not only does he enter the narrow gate, now he stays on the narrow path. What happens if he gets off the narrow path with the two lions right there? He's finished. He's going to be called. He's going to be attacked is what's going to take place. Stay on the narrow path, Christian. There is wisdom on the straight and narrow. You avoid the dangers of this world, okay? Now, staying on the narrow path can be lonely. 
because most people in this world, are they on the narrow path or the wide path? They're on the wide path. So at times it is lonely, but there is wisdom on the straight and narrow. Secondly, there's safety on the straight and narrow. Detours off of the way we should be going is very, very dangerous. That's what, that's what John Bundren is teaching us here, okay? And consequences are very, very costly, even for Christians. Now, can we lose our salvation? No. But there sure are consequences for sin. I want to encourage you, you stay on the straight and narrow. There's wisdom there, there's safety there, there's life there. We know there's eternal life there, and I believe also there's abundant life there. When we do this life God's way, there's abundant life. So stay on the straight and narrow. So lessons from lions. Number one is you stay on the straight and narrow. Number two, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. Now, who's that a famous quote by? Anybody know? Teddy Roosevelt at his inauguration. Okay. Or Franklin D. Roosevelt. Franklin D. Roosevelt. You got Roosevelt right. You know, that, that's, who, that, that's who it was. Now we read here, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Why? Because the lions are what? They're chained. But he saw not their chains. And the porter would tell him, fear not the lions for they are chained. There are too many Christians that live in fear. Does God want you living in fear in this life? Only if it's the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. But he does not want us living in fear, especially of perceived dangers and perceived problems when there are none. Now, are the lions loud? Yes, they are. Okay? And, 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 and they're roaring, but they are chained. And I want, you, I want you to understand a couple things here. The lions of life are chained under God's complete sovereign control and power. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a what? Roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So, so yes, Satan freely roams, and yes, he prowls, but the book of Job tells us that he's got to report into God. He cannot do anything without God's approval, and we see that in Job chapter 1 as well as Job chapter 2. So, so understand something. Satan, though freely roaming and, and, and roaring, is under God's complete control. Not only him as a lion, I want you to think about literal lions. All we got to do is ask Daniel. Think about Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. He speaks to the king, live forever, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths. They've not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also toward you, O king, I've committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased, gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Why? Because of his faith, because of his trust, because of his belief, okay? I want you to think about people who are likened to lions. It's a Psalm of David, Psalm 57. As he's fleeing from Saul, Sunday I mentioned the toxic relationship between Saul and David, boy is that one. Psalm 57, one, David cries out to God. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. He's fleeing for his life. In the shadow of your wings I take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. That's faith, that's trust. He will put to shame him who tramples on me, Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his, faith, and his faithfulness. Verse four, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. 
the children of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. So he's among people that are slandering him and gossiping him and criticizing him and defaming him. And he's liking it to be among lions with their teeth. Verse 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the, all over the earth. He says, I'm going to praise you anyway. I don't care who the lions are in my life. I don't care who the lions are in your life. What they are doing to you, what they're saying about you, doesn't matter. You praise God in the midst of that. Then it says this. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit for in my way, and they have fallen into it themselves. He says, I have nothing to worry about. God is in control. I think it's also true of the fearful trials that sometimes we go through. Again, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 1933. There is nothing to fear but what? Fear itself. Let me give you some reminders that God is in complete control. Psalm 115.3. But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Psalm 135.6. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and in earth in the seas, and in all the deeps. So who's in control? What is he in control of? Where is he in control of it? Everywhere. Everything, everywhere, at all times. And he uses the worst of things for good. It was true of Joseph and all of Israel in Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me. God meant it for what? God meant it for good. So someone is meaning evil against you right now. What do you think God's going to do with it? He's going to use it for good. Could I have him turn that down just a little bit? Oh, is it? Okay. That's all right. Um, Romans 8.28, you know it well. We know that God causes what? What? All things to work together for good. To those who what? Love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So how much is God going to cause for good in your life? Everything. All things for good, all right? So, lessons from the lions. What's the number one? You stay on the what? Straight and narrow. Number two, there is what? Nothing to fear, but fear itself. Here's the third one. Listen and give godly encouragement and advice. Listen, listen to, and give godly encouragement and advice. Now, there's a guy named Watchful in, in this part of the book, okay? And He's cheering on Christian. He's encouraging him. His name is Watchful. He says, in thy strength, is thy strength so small? Fear not the lions, they're chained. And then he says, keep in the midst of the path. Keep in the midst of the path and no harm will come unto thee. Then I saw that he went on trembling for fear of the lions, but taking good heed to the directions of the porter. Now, this is just a short point, but I think it's important. We all need people in our lives who are gonna help us out spiritually. who are gonna be a cheerleader. Because this life is hard. It's difficult. And, and we need people that, that are going to see when we're starting to turn around and go the other direction because we're tired and we're worn down by the enemy and, and, and we're just, we're fearful. We need friends who are going to say, the lion's chained. God is in control. You're going to get through this. You're going to be better because of it. Don't you need friends like that? Guess what? You need to be that friend as well. We need to look for people who are struggling in their spiritual walk. We need to be sensitive to people who are scared to death of this life. We're going to run into Christians, guys. Some, maybe some of you are here tonight. 
and God in his sovereignty just had you here tonight to hear this message and you're just tired, you just feel beat up, you know what? You need to be encouraged with the word and somebody else needs to be encouraged with the word. Maybe you know of a friend, you need to go to them tonight and you need to text them some verses. You need to pray with them over the phone. You need to stop by their house. You need to be watchful. You need to be watchful and you need to be there for somebody. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and five. Let, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. Not neglecting meeting together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he says two things. I want you stirring each other up and I want you encouraging one another. So you stir up one another and you encourage one another. You, you stir up each other to love and good deeds and you encourage one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near, the end, when we're gonna see the Lord. Lessons from lying, stay on the straight and narrow. Nothing to fear but fear itself. Listen, give God, uh, uh, listen to and give godly encouragement. Here's the fourth one. And this is so important. Faith must be tested if faith is to be proved. Your faith must be tested if your faith is to be proved. What do I mean by that? In the passage from, um, from Pilgrim's Progress, it says this. Fear not the lions, for they are chained and are placed there for the trial of faith where it is. Why are they there? For the trial of faith. They're placed there. And for the discovery of those who have none. And then, so keep in the midst. So, we have mistrust and timorous who did not pass the test. Those guys saw the lions and they hightailed it out of there. Their faith was not genuine. Mistrust meaning doubt and uncertainty. Timorous meaning fearful, timid, afraid, and nervous. So these guys are out of there. They refuse to trust in God. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, gives us some very important verses for our faith. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, so that the what? Proof of your faith. Various trials, proof of your faith. Being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to pick this passage apart. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. And I want to give you some, some points that I think are important. Number one is this. We can be joyful in trials. We can be joyful even in the midst of trials. In this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, here's the second part of that. We need to understand the brevity of trials. Sometimes when we're in the midst of them, they seem like they're going to be forever, right? We don't think we're ever going to get out of this storm. We don't think we're ever going to be, make it through this. And, and Peter says, come on, guys. How, how many of you here have been a Christian over 10 years? Over 20 years? Over 30 years? Over 40 years? Okay, I, think about it. How many trials have you been through in 40 years? Tell me. How many do you really remember? You, you can't really remember them all. You know, why is that? Because God saw you through them. God saw you through them. So in the midst of the trial you're in right now, guess what? God's gonna see you through it and you're gonna be fine. And so you can be joyful in trials. 
understand the brevity of trials. Then he says this, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. We experience a variety of trials. There's all kinds of trials we go through in life. There's relational trials, there's health trials, there's financial trials, there's you name it trials, job trials, uh, children trials. I mean, there's trials, trials, trials. Aren't you glad God doesn't let them all happen at once? There's a variety of trials that all of us go through in our lives. And by the way, Peter adds, you're distressed by various trials. So are trials pleasurable? No, they're not. They're hard. They're difficult. They're painful is what they are. But we experience various trials. And then I want you to understand not only can we be joyful in trials and the brevity of trials and the variety of trials, we prove our faith through our trials. That's what he says. Verse seven, 1 Peter one. So that the proof of your faith, guess what? We need to prove our faith. How are you gonna prove your faith is real unless you go through trials? Answer. You can't, you can't. You have to prove your faith. And the only way to do that is you go through a storm and God says, are you gonna hold on to me, your rock of ages? You're gonna hold on to me, the anchor of your soul. You're gonna go through storms and you're gonna get to prove that God is your God. And that he does care for you. And that he does love you and that he does give you wisdom, and that he does give you strength, and that your relationship with God is real. Because if you don't go through trials, how do you know if your God is ever real? It's through the trials that you get to see that your God is real. So guess what? You can rejoice in trials. You can give God thanks for trials, because he's going to prove himself. That's what he's going to do. And it's a precious faith, and it's a faith that is tested through the fires of adversity. And every trial that you and I go through is refining us and testing us and purifying us. And then lastly, he says, God is glorified through our trials that we may be found the result, that it may be found the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there's great glory coming to God because of our faith. And by the way, there's great pleasure that comes to God from our faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please him. And so unless you exercise your faith, and sometimes in trials, we can't please God. And what you just read that Hebrews passage, Hebrews 11, and you'll see some of the trials those great saints went through. They pleased God with their faith. Lessons from the lions, one more. Stay on the straight and narrow, nothing to fear but fear itself. Listen and give good godly encouragement and advice. Faith must be tested if faith is to be proved. And here's the last one. Tested faith is developing and enduring faith. Tested faith is developing and enduring faith. James chapter one, verse two and three. James one, two and three. Similar thoughts to first Peter. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various vacations to faraway lands. Is that what it says? <laughs> no. <laughs> Consider it all my brother, or joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, 
and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Those trials are so good for you. Those trials are so good for me. Let's pick this passage apart. First of all, be joy-filled, just like we saw in 1 Peter. That's how he starts off. Consider it all joy. So be joy-filled in the trials. Secondly, expect a variety of trials. What did we see in 1 Peter? Same thing. So they're going to come at you in all kinds of different ways. See, I, I go to the gym two to three times a week. I know it doesn't look like it, but I do. And I lift upper body. I lift lower body. I work the lower portion of my body. I work the upper portion of my body. And I do cardio. I work the inside of my body. Why do I do all those things? Tell me. Because I want to be healthy. <laughs> right? I want to be healthy. Okay? So I, I'm a runner. I, that's what I, I love running, so I do a lot of running. Okay? I've got, I think I've got 25 miles in already this week. So I do a lot of running. Um, running is lower body. A lot of runners don't lift. They don't do anything. I don't want to. I don't, I want to lift. I want to, I want to be proportionate. I want to be healthy is what I want to be. Can I tell you something? That's what a variety of trials does for us. Variety of trials keeps us healthy because we have to, we have to work our faith, upper body, so to speak, lower body, so to speak, inside body, so to speak. And it makes us stronger is what it does. Is it easy for me to go to the gym? I don't want to go to the gym some days. I don't want to, I don't want to lift weights some days. I, 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 I'm training for a long run. I had to do a 31 miler a couple weeks ago. That was hard. It was hot. It was humid. Okay. There's times I don't want to do things. I have to go through them to be strong. Okay. Same thing as spiritually. Do we want to go through trials? Do you want to go through pain? Do you want to go through things that are unpleasurable and distressing to you? Relationship-wise, finances, health, whatever? I, no way we don't. Death in the family? What God is doing is he's giving us a spiritual workout. Is what he's doing. And so you're growing in your faith in all kinds of areas of your life, and so am I. And then he gives the benefits of the trials. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 of, of James chapter uh, 1. He says this. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Guess what? You and I are building up endurance. I'm in a training program right now to do a 40 miler. So I'm building up endurance as I get ready for that race. You're in a race of life and so am I. We are building up endurance so we can go the distance for God. So don't quit. Don't DNF, which is a do not finish. You stay in the race and let God work on your endurance, all right? That long-lasting spiritual endurance. And then he says this, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What is he talking about here? He's talking about spiritual maturity. He's growing you, and he's growing me. And it's not easy sometimes, but he's, he wants us perfect, mature. He wants us complete, Okay, he wants us lacking nothing. I want you to understand how important trials are for you. They help you lack nothing in this life because you learn to rely on the Lord. Without trials, 
You can't be spiritually where God wants you to be. Trials are a necessity of this life. Lessons from the lions. Stay on the straight and narrow. Nothing to fear but fear itself. Listen and give good godly encouragement and advice. Faith must be tested in order for faith to be proved. And tested faith is developing and enduring faith. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this man, John Bunyan. We thank you, more importantly, for Scripture and the scriptural truths behind this allegory he's given us. And Father, life is hard. We know this. Help us have a scriptural understanding of these trials and help us walk faithfully with you. And and not to be afraid or turn away, but stay on the straight and narrow. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.